How are you? Hi. I'm grand, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. You're very welcome. You? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Happy to have you here, as always. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell the audience who you are, make yourself comfortable here at That's Gossip. Oh my gosh. I know, um, pressure, pressure, I know. I am Harry. Obviously. Nice. Didn't know um, that. Thank you. I can <laughs> start. Um, <laughs> I live in Manchester and I work in PR and that's pretty much my entire personality, really. What, working in PR? <laughs> I'm coming um, from Manchester. Basically, coming from Manchester, working in PR and Twitter.com. I just live my life on Twitter.com. I mean... Like all of us, really. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of where we all just sort of reside these days. Yeah. So you being like... A new, a new playground, isn't it? I mean, where else Twitter. have we got to go at the minute? Either Twitter or nowhere at the minute. I mean, as I say that now, like, um, as soon as lockdown's lifted, I'm not going to sit there in my silly little room on my Oh, fully. <laughs> Catch me on a Saturday <laughs> night still, just like, Ooh, who's online? It's awful. Like, I'm like, lockdown <laughs> made me do it, but it's not. It's really not. No. I've always been the person. It's just fun. Oh, like, lockdown made me do it annoys me because, like, as in, in, in terms of haircuts, because... I want to do it. I want to have that moment where I either bleach my hair or shave it, but I'm bald. I was going to so. say, where do you go from there? <laughs> where do you go from there? Buy a new wig, buy a wig. Like, I don't know. Do something fun. No, don't talk to me about wigs. I've um, only just fucking got rid of them all. <laughs> oh, really? I used to be a drag queen. I can uh, say I've definitely seen pictures of you in drag before. May she rest in pieces. Um, but yeah, What's the I've name? just moved. What's the name? Just moved flat. Um, Ali P. <laughs> Ali P, right, Ali okay. Uh, <laughs> it was Ali P. Um, but I think that's all a bit controversial. Yeah, look, um, it's 2021, Harry. It's 2021. A little bit Marge Simpson meme. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. Um, and I'm also, yeah, I've literally just moved far. Um, and I, well, I've moved home for um, a small period of time. Um, and then in summer, I'm going to go and get another fly. But I had to basically just condense all of my stuff because um, back at home, my mum um, basically has saturated all of the storage in the house with her things. As they and do. Refused. <laughs> Yeah, refused to move anything. She's gonna shout at me and say, "I gave you six drawers." Um, I've got <laughs> you didn't six use them for your full so. potential. That's your fault. Literally, so I had to like condense down all my belongings. So unfortunately, all of the uh, finest human hair wigs. Do you not were, even have one? Um, I've actually got one. It's I'm um, thrown in the back of my car at the moment. Quite well, I've got a wig head on it. Um, <laughs> like a, a styrofoam wig head. Holly drew <laughs> a face on it and put like lashes on it and stuff. Um, <laughs> Currently, it's currently just on my back seat. So if anybody like looks at my car in the dark. Okay. Like cool. it's pitched like looking, looking like trying to nick something from a car. They'd have a bit of a fright. Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> She's after me. Oh. It's okay. I feel like if I was to go home to my mum's house and like bring like fucking seven, eight, nine, ten wigs and like heels, she'd be like, no, honey, keep that somewhere else. <laughs> Unless <laughs> you're sharing. <laughs> There's only one woman under this roof and it ain't you. <laughs> That's what she'd be like. How are you finding being at home? Yeah, I'm fine, actually. I, I think because I know it's only temporary. My best friend is moving down from Edinburgh in June. Okay. Um, so I know that in June I'm leaving and I'm also like it's locked down I don't have anything else to do I work from home um, you're not missing out on anything actually it's essentially just a larger space for me to live in I just have to share it with my parents 
which is an awful no yeah. <laughs> to be fair i did the first lockdown with my mum and it was like because obviously first lockdown you have the novelty of like woo it's hot oh i'm getting so drunk every night oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god like it's fine like life's gonna be normal in a few months and woo. my mum's spending yeah. so much money on alcohol and getting sunburned and now i'm like oh my god literally. okay if i was there during like the winter lockdown period i think it would have been a little bit of a different story <laughs> yeah it's okay i mean i've only been here for like three weeks so obviously we're gonna chat about our experiences sort of with like nightlife queer nightlife sort of like the experiences mm-hmm. with like alcohol in the community and that sort of jazz so to start off the little conversation i want you to tell me set the scene take us there of your first ever memory of your first ever legal night out so you just turned 18 you're ready to <clears> go <throat> where did you go what did you do what happened my first legal night out Mm-hmm. Um, or your first illegal uh, I mean I'm not I'm not picky <laughs> well, well, my, first, my first illegal night out I was 16 um, mm-hmm. I robbed my brother's passport um, and me and my sister <laughs> me and my sister <laughs> who just turned 18 okay. I can't believe I bet my sister I can't remember but I think my sister got right bollocking but it was just me and my sister <laughs> we got on a bus into town on a bus <laughs> <laughs> with my brother's, my brother's passport um, and we went to the god awful nightclub in Manchester called Fifth Avenue oh, I've um, heard of it. <laughs> I think I've been actually my dreams go to die it's um, absolutely horrendous I mean yeah it was just I think it was, it was just like a sensory overload just trying to get used to the sort of surroundings it was also um, a straight club and mm-hmm. I think as a um, a young gay person I was a little bit like Timid. Walls up. Yeah, a bit timid. Like, walls are up. Um, Speak when spoken to and nothing else. Yeah. But then my first legal night out was on, like, two or three days after my 18th birthday. Okay. And because I'd only ever been to Fifth Avenue, I went to Fifth <laughs> Avenue. With love. <laughs> For fuck's sake, right? Okay. Yeah, it was, you know, familiar setting. So I went in, and again, it was just a bit, um, it was obviously a novelty. It was, like, my first night out with my yeah. friends. You hype um, it, don't you? But it's never what it seems. Yeah. And then I remember I necked off with this boy hey first night out this is my first night out i pulled this guy in a straight club and i was like shocketh i thought wow this must happen all the time and i generally think, like, that was the last guy i pulled in. <laughs> the <laughs> first and the last and the only <laughs> so i just um, no, but yeah, I think I think very quickly after that we were, I think we stayed like an hour and a half, and then um, it was just over the road from the gay village, so we went to GAY, which was okay. um, and the rest is history. Breath. I can only rest believe history. Look at me now, <laughs> debaucherous queen. Um, what was your God. But you know what? I actually don't know if I remember. The thing I was saying before is that I didn't come out until I was like 18 officially to let my family to my friend. So oh. all of my first nights out, even up until like uni time from like 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 was all straight clubs because I was like that gay in high school that my friends were all the straight girls and like I was just the gay like, oh, where are we going to that girlies? And <laughs> I have so many vivid memories of like my first nights out when I turned 18 going to these because we're from such a small town like the tiniest town so like these horrible 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 nightclubs that are full of like you can imagine the kind of people that are there like the people <sighs> that you like, from your school that have bullied you your whole entire life and it's just full of like those kind of boys and you're like ah room night out ladies what are we wearing yeah and, <laughs> and it really was though it was like a jeans and a nice top situation because i was like well i can't yeah. wear anything out there because i'll get hurt so i just like turn up with the girls like woo 
And this club, it was in um, this town over from us, and you'd have to like queue for like, three or four hours to get in. And the rule was like, if you're not wearing smart shoes, you can't get in. If the girls weren't wearing heels, I was you just can't about get in. To say, my one experience with straight clubs is like smart shoes. But why? Like, why wearing smart shoes? Why? <laughs> what I want trainers. I need, to be, I need agility. I need to bounce the Air Maxes on. I need to be. <laughs> I need to be able to move. Selective with it as well. Like you'd be wearing like a pair of white trainers, and they'd be like, "No, you're not allowed in." But then the person in front of you would be wearing a pair of white Converse. They'd be like, "Come on," and you go, yeah. "No, what? I don't understand." Yeah. So all of my eighteen-year-old experiences was going to small nightclubs full of straight people, where I would spend the whole time getting like mouthy with my friends because they'd spend the whole night off of these straight boys, and I'd be in the corner like. Yeah. Okay, just but silent, deadly nothing. silent, not talking to anyone, like getting really, really drunk. Not to a bowl in the corner, like. Fully, just like sipping in my vodka lime <laughs> and soda, like, I'm not even here right now. I'm not existing. I don't, I don't, I don't approve. Sorry. And I spent the whole night hating it so much to the point where up until I was like 20, I convinced myself that I just hated nights out. Like, hate it, hate it, hate it. And then it wasn't until yeah. I went and visited my friend Sam in Bristol. I live with him now. We're both like very openly gay. Only go to gay yeah. clubs now. I went and visited him at uni. He took me on a night out to this like gay club that he used to go to all the time. Um, have you heard of OMG before? There's one in Liverpool, there's one in Bristol, there's one I've pretty much. One yeah. yeah, there's one everywhere. It's like that. You don't you don't talk about it. It's just like very <laughs> run-of-the-mill tacky, but everyone goes because it's just like a fun time. Like it's like a GAY vibe. Manchester doesn't have one, but I think this, the, uh, I think Bar Park would be the... Uh... The equivalent, I would agree. Next, the equivalent, <laughs> next best thing. For someone who's been to both, I can say that you are on the ball with that one. I really think you are. Yeah. So I went and visited him when I was like, I would say 19, and he took me on a gay night out, and I was like, oh, that's what a night out is going to be like. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be scared the whole time I'm on the dance floor. Yeah. Cool, makes sense. Makes sense. Very interesting, though, because it was similar with me, like, um, in college. I only ever had, up until I was about 19, girlfriends. Yeah, me too. They wanted to go to, like, Ma- Manchester Dean's gay locks is like <laughs> it's where you get dressed up. Yeah, like oh poly dresses and heels. <laughs> Yeah, like bridesmaid <laughs> dresses and heels and then you'd be queuing and you see a girl stumble out. This is true. This is what I saw. This girl came out and then just sort of stopped and threw up yeah. all over herself. And I was like, this is where I am. Um this is yeah, no, I, I remember, yeah, I remember in college going out to those types of places with my girlfriends and just being like, I hate this. I was yeah. like, but because I'd already been out to the village, it was all it was like Please, please come to the village with me. Did you always find yourself being that person that was like begging your straight female friends to come with you to gay clubs? Because I was like, I can't go. I mean, like, luckily, eventually I found, I found one. (laughs) 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 For many years. Um, Yeah, it'd be like, we'd all go to the straight club to start and then, Mm -hmm. God, we sound so ridiculous. Go to the straight Straight club. club. Go to the dark side to start the night. And then and then after a few drinks, um, we'd both just not be enjoying it. And then we'd be like, should we go to the village? Should we? Should we? Should we should yeah, yeah why not? Like, Come on. Yeah. yeah, and it was always just such a better night. I suppose it is. It does battle. Like, it does, like, um, sort of knuckle down to the fact we just feel vulnerable and scared in mm-hmm. straight environments. It's literally like, I'm in a room where everyone is drunk. Say things. Uh, you're more likely to say things when you're drunk. Uh-huh. And also, so it's almost like the girls will heighten their femininity. Because it's like a bloody um, like mating call, like ballroom. It really like, is, though. Like, Everyone's there yeah, for like one like, reason. Proper, yeah, they proper like macho themselves up. 
um, made themselves really punch. And the girls, you know, they're in the the lashes and the dress and the hair's all nicely done. And then it is, they're just sort of like one by one, like pair up and fuck off and get a finger down an alleyway. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally so. And you're just left on the dance floor like, okay, cool. (laughs) And that's the Um, thing, like you want to be, as a friend, you want to go out on a night out and like encourage your friends to like, yeah, we'll get with whoever you want to get with, like do this, have fun. But then it gets to the point, you have no one left and you're just stood there like, Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm completely supportive. I'm like, yeah, go and... As long as you're safe, I don't mind. But then... You have to go and try and find that one other gay person in the straight club or like go to the toilets and just stand in front yeah. of the girls like oh, so one of one of a timid gay guy. And there's, there's, and there's never there. usually are the only one, especially in like a small town like I'm from. The only other gay people that are there are the ones that you go with. But because you're like, you know, I feel like as gay people, we tend to sometimes get a little bit more drunk than the straight girls to overcompensate for the fact that we're a little bit too nervous to be there. So by the time it gets to like 11 p.m., one of the two gay people there has probably fucked off home by now. <laughs> it's like asleep yeah. in their own stick outside. And it's like, oh. <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Joe. Yeah, pretty yeah. much that. No, that was wish to be. I remember, um, I suppose um, that's kind of true um, and interesting. The fact that we would drink so much. So much. Um, I don't know whether, I mean, I don't, because I didn't really go out to straight clubs that often. Um, and I suppose you always get those people that um, are throwing up outside and whatever. But I feel like as a young gay person, feeling so vulnerable and putting yourself out there, you do just overcompensate and get another drink and another drink and another yeah, drink. Yeah, you do. Because you think it's going to give you the confidence to sort of like, I don't know, maybe chat a bit more, not feel so uncomfortable, but it does the yeah. opposite. And it makes you just like get so drunk to the point where like you can't even like, maneuver yourself around this straight club let alone like interact with people and then because you're so drunk you'd accidentally like bump into the straight guy who'd be like oh you're starting on me you're starting on me and you'd be like i'm just trying to get to the toilet ah please i don't know what to do but then i think the benefit of that is that you usually are with the girls and then if anyone does anything to try and hurt you the girls come out in full force like what are you saying to him sorry that's like the only like shield i had on a night out i had the girls with me to sort of just like back yeah. me up if something went wrong because when i've God had a drink bless the girls. god bless the girls is what i'll say because i feel like when i've had a drink i have a tendency to be quite lippy and like i forget who i'm talking to sometimes i'll have you having a go and i'll be like oh you're about this much higher than me i actually just shut the <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I, have, I have the benefit of being um fucking That's, massive exactly um, <laughs> i'm um, Kick I'm out six, six foot six and built like a brick shit house. You can um, take it and so take them all down. If anybody ever tries to sort of say anything to me, I get um, I can be quite intimidating. Get up out of your <laughs> seat and be like, "What was that? Sorry, what was that you were saying to me?" <laughs> What's that again? Say it again. <laughs> I'm all ears. I promise. No, I'm like yeah. five foot nine. It's not quite as scary to come face to face with me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> five foot nine with your baby face. Uh, exactly. Unfortunately, it's a blessing and a curse, is what I'll say. I'm getting ID'd at the bar. I'm getting beaten up outside, all because I look about fucking twelve years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the oldest out of all of my friends. I was like, this is terrible. I need to move on. Which is why I'm so oh, glad okay. I found, you know, the world of queer nights out and queer nightlife. But that I finally it's found like, love. It's so, so weird how, how I think I reached like 19. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, I only had, I think, my first gay friend yeah. um, I met when I was in second year of college and became okay. like, we're, we're still just friends now. Um, and then it wasn't until, until I was like, yeah, 18, 19, that I actually started to meet other gay people um, and actually socialise with gay <laughs> people. And that's why I think a lot of my, hardly any of my gay friends are my age. I've probably got like two or three gay friends okay. watching my age. All of my other gay friends are like nearing 30. Sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all like, most of them anyway are like five, six years older than me. Which 
it doesn't really matter, does it, in any way? No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it's just, um, yeah, interesting that I don't really have too many friends um, who are, like, literally my age. I've, I've got thought you about to say you don't have too many friends. I was like, I beg to differ on that. I think you have <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> I, I, have, I have lots and lots of really, really lovely friends, um, and I'm very, very lucky to have such a beautiful group of people around me. And do you know oh, what? The majority of them I've met online on Twitter.com. You kind of um, do though, don't you? Like, I think me and you, I think we've had like a random, very small, like tweak conversation before about how like on a night out, like everyone you bump into is someone you've probably seen on like Twitter or like I mean, Tinder or something like that. So even if you're not like friends, friends with these people, like if you go on a night out to a space like that, you're likely to see a friendly face. Whereas, oh my God, it's literally you walk into um, Thompson's in Manchester mm-hmm. and it's like there's somebody lingering in the doorway <laughs> who, who you're friends with give them a big hug and a kiss hello you alright you open in you open up the other doors you go in there's somebody you've shagged on your left <laughs> there's a guy a guy who spoke to on Tinder on your right and then there's somebody who you talk to on Twitter straight in front of you it's actually like it takes it's actually like arriving at a family party whenever you turn up to Thompson's you have to go around and say hello to everyone like hello I'm here hi hi hello 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 um, it's like it's great because you always know there'll be someone to talk to but it almost becomes like gets her in your head you're like oh my god I need to say hi to everybody like who's going to be there and it's just it's also like a big fun part really I've had seen in It's a Sin um, you know when he um, sort of goes around and he's shagged everyone yes (laughs) Um, and 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 he's walking through um, he's walking through the bar and he's literally saying hello to every single person every single fucking person hi 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 (laughs) it's literally like that in um, well I know in Manchester anyway um, well in Thompson specifically there are some bars <laughs> specifically Thompson's uh, specifically Thompson's and um, there are some <laughs> bars which are clicky um, and a bit like mean girls you go in you've got people sat over here who are the plastics well, I was going to say I was I actually had that question in my mind I was going to say what's your experience with sort of like clicks in queer nightlife and queer spaces because I feel mm-hmm. like it's a big sort of room not rumour but I feel like there's like a stigma around it to say if you're not one of the like popular gays and you can't see me you can only hear me but I'm doing quotation marks right now like the popular <laughs> gays if you're not one of them then you're not really made to feel welcome in like a club like what's yeah. your experience with that do you think that's something that's true or do you think it's like a misunderstanding um, and it's sort of it d- depends on the venue um, yeah, no, I, I, get that. I don't tend to go to Kiki I think it's the Brewers now I've not really I haven't been to the Brewers since they rebranded but when I no. go to Kiki it was like um, I literally felt like I was walking into that scene in Mean Girls where they're talking about, you know, oh. over here's the weirdo. Like, <laughs> you can see right at the back of the club, there's like a table sat down and you can tell they're all like gamers. Then, <laughs> like up, up on a row seating area, you've got all these like gorgeous like drag queens or whatever. And it kind yeah. of feels like you'd be down upon. And then, yeah, and then there's like the really pretty boys who are just like, we've got loads of, just look, I mean, gorgeous. And, yeah, you know, good for them. <laughs> And good for them, you know, I could never look like you, but... Um, but beautiful, fuck them. It does feel intimidating, um, and it's less like when you walk into Thompson's. <laughs> this is just become like fucking... This episode is like Thompson's <laughs> But it's true, it's just like walking into, like, your friend's living room. It's such a different vibe. That's, yeah, it's just where people um, tend to go. Like, people who go to Kiki probably don't really go to Thompson's, and then you've got Via Thompson. in the village, which is like a sit down um a down you can stand up and dance and whatever but it's yeah. more of a like pub kind of thing and um yeah that tends to have a different vibe it tends to be like older gays say older gays 30 plus <laughs> the ancient <laughs> gays the, the dinosaurs um, 
honestly. I think that's the, the good thing about the Gay Village of Manchester is that there's a venue for everyone. Um, and I suppose this, that has its positives and its drawbacks. I think um, maybe some people would want to go to some venues but um, don't feel comfortable going because yes. of the type of crowd that goes, which is definitely the case. Like, I'm very confident in myself and I don't feel, um, I don't really care for others' opinions if they don't know who I am. But We love. Uh, yeah, it's, still, it's still like when you walk into a venue and you can tell that like, people are looking down on you and you're like, piss off. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just like, piss off. I'm just trying to get a body coke. Like, leave yeah. me alone. You're just here to have a good time and dance to fucking Lady Gaga. Leave me alone. Like, I just, I don't know. But I think when in I a situation like that as well, it's like, I guess it's just all depends on how you end up presenting yourself. Like if you just shrug it off as much as you can and just have a good time, then who who cares what they think? But then I think for some people as well, they get into a headspace of like letting things like that ruin their night. And I used to be that kind of person. As if I clock someone looking at us the wrong way or talking to I'd let it like really get to me and I'd either get angry or I'd be like, we're leaving because yeah. who wants to feel I like think when I was younger when I first started going out it definitely affected me and it would be I would never go to certain venues because I'd been in there once and yeah. and didn't feel didn't feel comfortable and like even to this day I just I just refuse to go it's like obviously I'll, I'll go and have a drink or whatever but like if it's it is valid to feel that way though like anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like I mean if my friends are like oh should we go in there for a drink I'm not like no I'm not going in trauma yeah. um, <laughs> but, but if we're planning a night I'll be like no we're not going in there yeah um, got you you don't want to be that person that's like causing a scene do you I suppose no, that. so if no. you don't want to go you don't want to go I and mean, that's just I can be very persuasive <laughs> <laughs> I have my ways <laughs> I don't want to go to the Thompson's Arms. Honestly, they better sponsor this episode or else I'm not airing it. I know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for my coin. <laughs> Every time Literally. I say the Thompson's Arms, I get a pound. <laughs> One whole pound, you'd be fucking minted by the end of it. You mentioned it so many times. I've never been, I don't think. <gasps> she knows there. You'll have to take me to Thompson's when the time is right. This pepperoni is over. <laughs> Not this pepper pig, fuck's sake. Not pepper pig. Not, Not the Pamela Anderson. <laughs> fuck's sake. I hate how entertaining that is. I really do. It's awful. So you mentioned before, you mentioned before about how obviously it depends on the venue um, with the kind of people that are there, but you said how you have some clubs that are like more like you've got like the pub vibe, you're dancing, you're chilling, you're having a good time. And you have the ones that are like clubs where people have obviously gone for a specific reason of like getting dressed up, yeah. dancing. What's your favorite vibe? What's your perfect night out? What does it sound like? Oh my God. So a blueprint <laughs> night out. <laughs> you're just leading me to make another pound here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm making you money, Harry. I'm making you money. <laughs> so perfect night out. Have like three drinks yeah. at a friend's flat. Best part of the um, Best part of the night. And then um, we'll mince over to the gay village and we'll start on Canal Street. Um, <laughs> beer. I love beer. Mm-hmm. You can sort of sit down and still have a chat and have that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, you can get up and have a boogie if you want to. If you feel um, like it. If your song comes on. Yeah, if you feel like it. Um, <laughs> and then around midnight, stroke oh. one o'clock in the morning, we will um, trot over to Thompson's Arm. Cha-ching! Um, Ching! <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll um, just sort of dance the night away there until probably about half three, four. Mm-hmm. And then we will um, just skip over the road to Cruise 101. <laughs> of course. My favourite thing in the world is um, there's the Thompson's Arms. Cha-ching! <laughs> 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 
Um, and then literally directly across it, across from it, is Cruise 101, which is like a, a club which is open until like 10 o'clock in the morning or something. We love, Absolutely. okay. For ages, it was just like, just the road. But then in the past, I think it was like two years ago, they built a crossing. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no! Like a pelican crossing. Uh, specifically <laughs> for that. From the to the door to cruise. And it's not like there's any sort of reason, other reason for it. You look around and you're like, it's a quite a quiet street. <laughs> Um, it's just not necessary. <laughs> Hopefully, guide the gay is over from um, A to B. From, a to from B, where? Yeah. From where? where? Where's A? What's the where? name? Of the Thompson Arms. Pining <laughs> <laughs> for a night out now. The thought of it is honestly making me like salvate. I can't. <laughs> I'm so ready for it. Imagine hearing from Africa from start to finish. Can we not? Can we not? There's, there's so oh. much music that we've had since the clubs have been closed. It kills me. I've I seen loads of things online. It's like, petition to have a club night that is exclusively music from 2020 but like yeah imagine how much fun it would be like all these new music's gonna come out like at the time and i don't care if it's not 2020 i'm not interested i'm gonna live my life as if it is 2020 when the club's over and 22 again yeah oh i hate talking about it It makes me so sad and also you're talking about then you were like oh the club that's open till like 10 a.m the thought of being awake and drunk and out and clubbing at like 4 a.m right now it really it gets me i don't know if i could do it it's been a year sometimes you know like i wake up at like nine o'clock and Uh i'm like there have been times when i'm still Uh dancing yeah, or in some dodgy person's like flat at like nine a.m. Oh, like a dodgy afters, and afters, just, and you're all just you're sat in over and the people next to you are like shagging. You're yeah, like, and you're just sat there like, so I thought the chicken was lovely. Like it's just really awkward. <laughs> Anybody tried the chicken? <laughs> and you're like, you're going from two percent, but you desperately need to order an Uber, and you're like, yeah, and it like dies while you're waiting for it, but the Uber's there, so you're like, I'm getting there, it's me, I promise. And you can hear the birds chirping outside. Like, don't, I don't need the negativity. And I've got work in like an hour, and I'm like, okay. Oh, oh god, oh, god, I hate it, but I miss it. And that, then you look back like that. I've literally done that, and it's been like eight o'clock in the morning when I leave the club and I start work at nine. Yeah, like, like, I've gone straight from A to B before, and I'm like, oh. And you sit there and you laugh about it, but then you look back and you're like, that's not normal. It's not like if it, I turn is up, it not is it not normal? Like everybody does it, no. Every gay person does it at least. Gay community, <laughs> yeah, gay gays community. do it. But like if I turned up to work now absolutely battered, yeah. they'd be like, that's a disciplinary go home. True. I think it depends on the job. Like I feel like when we were well, in the obviously I used to work in like restaurants and Yeah, bars that's and my stuff. life. I'm just like, okay. Literally everybody does that anyway. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I think it's like an insidious cycle when you work in service. A lot of a lot of young gay people only can really get jobs in either retail or service. Absolutely. I know most people do anyway, it's a part-time job, but like, yeah. for gays, we tend to excel in the customer service. Oh, as um, we do, unfortunately, too well in some, in some parts. <laughs> yeah, it's just that cycle of you finish work. And you're like, oh, should we have a pint after work? Well, that's yeah. the thing. Or like, you're closing down, you're having a drink, you're like, you know what? Yeah, there's a bottle, of wine, there's a bottle of wine that's going off, and it's like, oh, do you want a glass? Yeah, I love a glass. Exactly. And, then, and there's always someone that like, lives closed, nearby. Like, yeah, the shot's closed, you're like, should we go next door? Go next door. Should we have a bottle of wine? Let's have a bottle of wine. Before so you're in you know, Thompson's. Yeah, next thing you know, you're in the Thompson's arms. <laughs> Absolutely chitting. <laughs> Honestly. But that's, the, that's just the fun of it, is it not? Like, I miss that. The spontaneity of just I do, being like, I do like that. I feel like I feel like that is definitely something that I mean it's the part of my life which is over. 
<laughs> but not so much in terms of like the, yeah, the rolling into work and that sort of thing. That's over. But I feel like the whole spontaneity, like on the weekend where you're just like, you know, out for lunch, maybe having a brunch and you're like... Here I'm talking about a Tuesday night. Like... Oh, fun. We love. Rocking up to work on a, on a Wednesday and you've just like, you've gone home, had a shower and come straight to work. Yeah, I think going home is the only important part. If you can pull yourself together and not look how you looked the night before, you're fine. It's when you roll in. Like, huh? <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> expected to like face people all day. It's like... But I just felt like as a young gay person, working in service especially, yeah. my life just revolved around alcohol. Yeah, and I agree. Drinking and socialising and clubbing. Like I lit, I had a city centre flat, I lived by myself, well, I lived with, with some gay friends and then yeah. it just been like, yeah, go to work, go out, get drunk, come home, go to work. And it was just like every day, like I was yeah. drinking every day. And then I said earlier, I did, uh, I used to do drag. And, yes. and so obviously when you do drag, you're going and working in a nightclub or yes. a bar. <laughs> you're surrounded by alcohol and people buy people. you yes. people buy you shots and then you get paid in cash yes. so at the, end of the, <laughs> the end of the night you're already battered and you're like let's go out i've got a hundred quid in cash like, let's yeah. and so I, it just got too much for me like i was doing working full time doing like two drag gigs a week like sometimes i'd finish work go home get dragged up go, go and do a drag gig and then get drunk and then come home at like four in the morning then i'd and then start working work. yeah and then it just i was burning the candle at both ends and so uh, i think it was about two years ago now i just stopped drinking for a year did you a whole year i went sober for a year so oh. pride pride 2019 i was completely sober and how did you find that Specifically Pride um, 2019. Specifically Pride was nice, actually. Um, I'm glad I did it sober because typically my prides tend to be I see the night and not the day. Yes. Um, because it's like you go out on Thursday night, you stay out till six o'clock in the morning, yeah. then you wake up at 3, 4 p.m. and then you go out again and it's just like a cycle until Monday until you're like absolutely crying. You can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're having like... Thinking I literally can't go on, I can't live anymore. I could did the parade in the day. I marched with the Albert Kennedy Trust. Oh, that's um, lovely. I love that. And then well, like was able to go to the daytime activities um and like support my friends who are performing. Like a lot of my friends yeah. are performing in the day. And in previous years, I'd still be asleep. Yeah. Um <laughs> miss out off. So it was really nice in that aspect. And yeah, I wish I'd had a drink a little bit at the, at the sort of uh, concerty bit, though, only to numb the pain of standing for about eight like, hours. And yeah, I don't blame you for that at all. That's like the worst part of all of it. You just like... Yeah, it was absolutely boiling. But the, the benefit actually was at Manchester Pride, they had um, just like a, as like a dry bar. Uh-huh. As in any, if you want off drinks or water, you could just go straight to this bar. And obviously, no fucker was there. <laughs> <laughs> Complete <laughs> not a single Never person. I was, thirsty. I was like, I'm going to the bar back in literally two minutes like that. I think as well with pride though I feel like I feel like every gay person probably feels the same that like they mask or not even mask they like plan their whole week weekend events around alcohol it's like so we're gonna get to this bar at this time after pre-drinking here we're gonna do this and you kind of forget what the whole point of you being there is yeah you do miss the daytime events and the parades and like the important part and you're like oh I just paid a lot of money for that and I didn't do fucking anything other than sleep all day and go on a night out that I could do on any Saturday 2018 I missed the candlelit vigil because I was so hungover and I was really 
upset by yeah. it because like I, yeah for those who don't know it's like um everybody meets in sackville gardens in the middle of the gay village it's like uh-huh. a little park and it's like a sort of remembrance concert sort of yeah. thing for um those who have died um, from hiv and aids related illnesses uh-huh. um and everyone has a candle and they light it and there's like a thousand a thousand candles and there's it's always like an, an emotional performance at the end like my yeah. friend rob king performed in 2017 he did rise like a phoenix and there was <gasps> fireworks going off behind him and there was the candles it's a really lovely part of pride and it's one of my favorite bits um, and i encourage everyone to go to the candlelit vigil if you can but yeah i missed it in 2018 and that was a big driver for me to do pride saber in 2019 because i thought it's got out of control like the things actually matter to me um i'm missing because i'm so hungover yeah and it's it's like not that's the thing it's not even like being too drunk that you miss it it's like the hangover it lingers and there's a whole nother day gone and you've already wasted the night before and then like you end up being hungover and then to get over the hangover you drink again that night and then you hung over and it's just this cycle of feeling like shit and missing out on important things and like, oh pride for me is like taking on a completely different meaning like in, I, I went in 2016 2017 2018 and all those years it was just like let's get absolutely obliterated fucking mortal four days on the trots <laughs> if you go into an annual leave calendar of any business that employs a gay person uh-huh. they will have the week like a pride weekend off, <laughs> off. and they book it off in january like i booked it in first yeah. so it's homophobic if you don't let me go I'm just letting you all know <laughs> we book time off to re- for our bodies to recover from the self-harm of four days of actual obliteration that's, that's not what pride's about it's not and what pride's about it. but then like also we kind of like treat it as like our replacement for like not to be that person that's like oh, straight people gay people but like we, it's like oh yeah. i beef a holiday of the year it's pride week <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Those who can't go to Mykonos, you go to Manchester. <laughs> you go to Manchester, you go to Thompson's. Cha-ching. <laughs> but it is, it's a, tr- it's a tricky one because obviously we all go to Pride for the reason of, you know, what it stands for. And that is the most important part. And we all know that. But also it's a place where it's sunny. You've got your favourite artists performing. Your friends are all there. The vibes are good. Like you have to find the balance between getting drunk and treating like yeah. a party and being present. Yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, I recommend everybody goes celibate and turns up to Pride and, you know, goes to an LGBT children's reading and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, <laughs> I, I encourage you to go out and have a drink and have a good time, but there is more to Pride than, um, you know. Getting fucked. Getting absolutely fucked up for four days on the trot. Um, but that kind of leads me on to, like, the next point of every queer event and every queer space. Uh-huh. Revolves around alcohol. Uh-huh. When I was, when you're 18 and you've just, well, when you've just come out, say as a 16 year old, maybe, there's nowhere for you to go. Well, they, it might be different now. Um, but when I was, when I was 16, there was maybe like a youth club and um, that was about five miles from me in a church hall, which, I mean, it just wasn't my vibe. No, um, not, not your copy of It's difficult. Cause then you've got to be like, mum, will you drive me to the LGBT youth club or whatever? And they're still coming to terms with it. And, like, okay, um, and I suppose, but okay. Yeah, and it's still, I just think like, well, the idea of it, I just feel like it'd just be like, eight or nine LGBT people sat with like a can of Bimto and a pick and mix shop or something. Uh, right, like, like a Rice Krispie cake or something. Yeah, <laughs> it, just, it just didn't, um, it didn't Appeal. flow. No, I can imagine. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are people out there who have gone to these youth groups and um, absolutely love them. And I know I've worked um, closely with the Proud Trust and they, their whole sort of concept is LGBT youth groups. And I know that 
hearing stories from young people, you know, it is really life changing. For I'm sure they are, yeah. Who perhaps don't have uh, an accepting uh, sort of home life or family. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, they do have a place, but it just wasn't right for me. No, it's um, not for everyone. And then when I was 18, obviously, the sort of like first thing you think of is like a gay club. It's like, where else? Or a gay bar. Where else can I go that is, I'm surrounded by people like me. Like me, uh, exactly. Who I can socialise with and get to know. And it's it's just, it's a bar. It's a bar or a club. It, I've never um, even thought of it in that way. Like, it literally is that there is nowhere else to go. Like, gay oh. restaurants and gay coffee shops exist. Like, that's not like a no, thing. I'm not, I'm not saying we need to make, you know, gay restaurants and gay coffee shops and gay whatever. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm more than comfortable going to Starbucks and sitting down and having a coffee. And with the gays, absolutely. <laughs> but it was that initial, where do I, where do I meet the gays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there isn't sort of there. And I suppose now the saving grace is online, you know, Twitter. Um, I yeah. know people, it has, it has its um, negatives and pitfalls, but even Grindr, I've, you know, met friends. I've literally, like, a lot of people <laughs> I've met around her. Really? Uh, I'm now friends with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, a beautiful, like, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> honestly, I should be, like, the, the face of, you know, you know where it's, like, just looking for friends on Grindr? Uh, <laughs> like, you? <laughs> I should okay. be the face of that campaign. <laughs> My favorite thing on Grindr is networking. <laughs> it's an odd <laughs> feature. I've not used the app for a while, but like, that's an odd... Talk about business. Okay, why not? I've got an absolute business proposal for you and you will listen. Let's meet up for a chat. Absolutely. But imagine like starting like your own independent business and it takes off and then like, oh well, how do you find someone to invest? You're like, grind it. Okay, cool. Good for you. I once I once got actually twice. Um, I've got job interviews off Grinder. How? How does that happen? I can't even get job interviews from fucking LinkedIn, let alone Grinder. <laughs> Um, well, there was one, it was a bit of a horror story, actually. Not a horror story, but I was 18, young and impressionable. Um, and I applied. I was talking to this guy on Grindr. Um, <laughs> and he was maybe like, I was 18. I think he was like 32, 33. Okay. So already a little bit of an age gap. Um, and I, I actually wasn't particularly interested in him. It was more of, a, I watched just having a chat because I was bored. Yeah, um, we've been there. We've been and there. then he was like, I was like, oh, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a manager of um, a pub. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, what, which pub? And then he told me, and it was one that was literally like down the road from me. Yes, so he, I said, oh, you're hiring. It's a joke. I was, um, and he goes, I actually am. I actually am. And I was like, oh my God, are you joking? And he was like, no, I'm looking for... Um, <laughs> like a floor staff or something and I was like oh I'm looking for a job and he was like do you want to come in for an interview on Sunday and I was like yeah yeah, yeah okay why not? why not did anything ever yeah, happen other than the interview or was there any like romantic chat there at all or was it just purely I mean, like, no, absolutely just like business talk and I think I made a point I saying to him and I was like if I'm now having a job interview I just want to clarify that this uh, conversation is purely professional now yes, because it goes uh, nowhere else <laughs> yeah I was like I don't want it to be weird um no, not so anyway it was like yeah, yeah that's fine and then on the saturday night uh-huh. i was out in goy in manchester um, and then i was at the bar getting myself a drink and then i got a tap on the shoulder <gasps> i think i told him that i was going out on grinder okay. i said oh, i'm going out tonight to the gay village and get a tap on the shoulder i turn around and it's this guy it's the manager of this pub. Oh, no. He was like, "Hi, Harry. All right." I was like, "Had you had the interview like, at this point, or was this before the interview?" No, so you never met. The never met. <gasps> no, well, the interview was the next day. Um, <laughs> like it was like how it was like, "Come outside, where it's a bit quieter. We can have a chat." And I was like, "Uh oh." 
no, no. Like, oh, let me get first. So he got me a drink and then we went outside and he was like chatting, a bit flirty, whatever. And then eventually I was like, oh God, I just need to leave him. So I was like, right, I've got a dash. My friends are inside. Um, so I'm working if you want to go home. Yeah, and then as I went, he was like, oh, see you tomorrow if you're interviewing. I was like, <laughs> needless to say, I just didn't no. go. I was going to say, did, did you get the job? But I can, I can right. understand why you didn't attend. Oh no. Something smells fishy. Yeah. Um, no. It's the fact that he kind of like no, he followed to... you to the club as well the night before the interview and be like, hi. Well, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to insinuate that he's followed me to the club. No, so However, if he's listening... I did mention that I was going to that club and he did happen to be there and he did happen to tap me on the shoulder. So make of that what you will. Um, Say no more. more. When I was in Edinburgh, um, I lived there for a few months um, Uh and I was talking to this guy. This guy messaged me on Grindr and then he was talking, whatever, and he was like, I was like, what do you do? And he says, I'm the manager of a Starbucks. (laughs) And I said, are you hiring? (laughs) Not your go-to pickup line. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I read. I felt like, um, what's she called? What's that drag queen? Which is like, um, I'm gonna get dragged to filth for saying, who is she? What's that drag queen? Which is like, Chick fil A. Hello. Yeah, I read. KFC. That's my master. master. Come on, Daddy. You're hiring. That was a Jimmy on Grindr. Like, Hello, Starbucks. Are you hiring? That's been massive, for fuck's sake. I know. Um, and he was like, again, he was like, yeah, I am. And I'd actually already worked previously at Starbucks. Okay. And I was like, oh, I've literally just, I've just finished working at Starbucks. Um, and now I've moved to Edinburgh. I was like, so did you need someone to just start, you know? And he was so like, training, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Nice. But I was actually, I was at uni, so I was actually almost living in poverty. Um, and so, as we do. As we do. <laughs> as we do. So I went for the bloody interview. I was like, I don't care oh. at this point. Did you get the job? Um, I did, I got the job. Um, <gasps> because obviously I'm amazing. Um, of course you did. Um, I never doubted it. Honestly, Dylan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, um, you know. Adam, I think was his name. Shout out to Adam. Hi, Adam. Hope you're doing well. Shout out to Adam if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I had a great time working at Edinburgh. Uh, so what's a great time in my life. That's mad. Two job interviews from Grindr. Two. One. I mean, one I didn't go to. I mean, two planned one. ones, but one of them was a stalker. So. <laughs> but I know that um, a lot of people, some of my friends have used Grindr for like literally... Uh, message the nearest person to them and be like, hello, this is going to sound weird, but have you got a hammer? No sexual connotations, but have you got a hammer? I think that when I was young, um, uh-huh. I say when I was young, like it's years ago, um, when back I was 16. Back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Way back um, when. when I, I would have like loved to have things like, you know, like drag brunches. And I've I've actually been in discussions with people. I didn't, didn't really go anywhere, but um, trying to get into discussions with bars and stuff about offering, like say if they're doing a drag brunch, yeah. um, a lot of the time they'll do two sittings. Why don't they do one of them alcohol free? Um, okay. And so then you can bring kids, um, yeah. younger people. And then it's also not, again, not just about getting absolutely battered. Um, but then some people say, well, that's all part of the fun, having a drink at uh, a drag brunch. Which, yeah. And if you want to, you can go to the alcohol one. But yeah, I think something like that, especially at the moment where drag's everywhere, like a lot of young people Definitely. watch RuPaul drag, RuPaul's Drag Race and really like, you know, relate to it. And um in the same way that when I was young, I really related to Lady Gaga, and I was the biggest Lady Gaga star in the bloody world. Like, put your paws up. <laughs> <laughs> we know. It's the way outside. 
wait outside the Lowry Hotel in Manchester in the pissing rain in my school uniform. I pretended I'd gone to school, but I actually got on the train to town. Oh, <laughs> and me. Outside, right? But like, I feel like that I've seen a lot of like younger people, like you know, sixteen-year-olds now who mm-hmm. uh, really like idolise these drag queens which is great and I think but I think a lot of the time they're not able to go to the shows because mm-hmm. everyone's absolutely wanted around like even it. that um, as well like I feel like a lot of shows have almost like put like a stamp of like 18 plus only on there and I'm like oh god yeah I get it from yeah. a standpoint of everyone's gonna be drunk and like drag queens can be crude and they can be like you know explicit but also the main fan base of like most popular RuPaul's Drag Race girls these days are yeah. people between the ages of like fucking 12 and 18. Yeah, sure. and they, they can't go. I mean, I think, you know, they watch them on TV, they watch them on YouTube. I don't think that the content's really an issue. I think if you're 16, even if you're 12, I think, you know. You, if your you mum says yeah, then off you go. If your mum says yeah, <laughs> you know. We've all stuck on a bloody horror movie when you're 12. Exactly. You know, that's that kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> not, not in any way assimilating a drag show to a horror movie. There's all four men in wigs. <laughs> it's the same as brutal <laughs> murder. <laughs> but I think that definitely should be, you know, an option for, you know, maybe an earlier in the in the day show. Um, I know I won't go too early. Try and make these poor drug queens get up at eight o'clock in the morning. No. To to <laughs> Seven a.m. But like you know, a, you know, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock showing where you know they do the show, they have the brunch, the food, and it's just non-alcoholic. You know, unlimited soft drinks, and, you know, mocktails. Um, good entertainment. Know, have, have, yeah, have a good time with the entertainment. That's the whole point. You know, you don't. They're entertainers. You should be entertained whether you're absolutely battered or not that's the thing and um, i think people can quite easily just like blur the lines of just because we're in a space that is usually a bar or a nightclub yeah. they think oh we have to get drunk there's no need yeah. you don't need just because it's an environment yeah. in which you usually would it's 11 in the morning if you don't want to drink you don't have to like when like i went to see bianca del rio um uh-huh. in um i saw her twice actually but they were like theater shows almost like, yes yeah yeah i know the ones i was in like the the dance house in manchester so you could buy a drink from the bar but, but it's not like the thing. It's not like going to bloody club kids, you know, death drop, ratata. No. Um, Which is <laughs> like the bar. environment to do that shit. But like, as you say, you don't yeah. go to like a theatre show. You don't go and see like, I don't know, Les Mis and get absolutely fucking yeah, exactly. wasted. You don't, yeah. you don't <laughs> go to the bar and get a tray of Sambuca shots when you're watching, you know, The Wizard of Oz. No. It's... <laughs> No, so it, I do, I do go. Obviously, it's it's sort of ingrained, and in, that's the only places where drag has really historically been allowed is in yeah. gay bars because that's where it's safe to do it. Um, but I do definitely think that there needs to be sort of a, a, a reshaping of attitudes towards alcohol in queer spaces. In queer spaces. That's just one example of something that I think that would benefit young people today and would have benefited me when I was younger. But I mean, I mean, even even now, and as much as I'm, I'm 24, I'm still young, but as an adult, I would still appreciate going to, as much as I do love going to a drag brunch and getting, you know, really drunk. Yeah. You know, just going in the day and watching it, um, just supporting some brands or whatever. Like me, me and my, it was like me and my sister and some of our friends who we went to a drag show. It was like a Halloween themed one. It was like lots of rude girls and like and local girls. It was meant to be such a fun time, but we just were like, fuck it, should we get a wine? Before the end of the show, we'd had six bottles of wine between four of us. I don't remember oh. a fucking thing. I don't remember it at all. No. We paid £40 to be there. We wanted to enjoy the experience, but you just exactly. get in the moment and you're like... And then you become those 
bitches in the front like uh-huh. i became the straight girl at a drag show i'm like i this is yeah. not me what am i doing but i'm like Woo, damn! <laughs> stop please and i think as well just sort of like it's sort of relevant but i feel like a lot of drag performers you know whether they're local girls whether they're rupaul's girls i feel like a lot yeah. of drag performers have had their own personal past with alcohol so oh i feel God, like yeah, a lot of drag queens are doing these shows for you know audiences full of drunk people when they've been sober themselves for like two years and that must be so scary i know of quite a few drag queens who do that get they don't drink at gigs uh-huh they just they just don't and that is it, that, most of them are you know queens have been in it for a long time and yeah um, you know, I'm assuming that they probably did start doing it. And it was kind of similar to my own experience. You know, I loved doing drag. Um, uh-huh. I really did. But it became a sort of a, an enabler for me to drink. And, you know, I did, there were times where I'd sit and get up in drag at home. And, you know, I didn't drink then. And I still enjoyed it. It was the creative outlet for me. Yeah, um, But being in that environment, surrounded by hundreds of people who are swaying all over the place. Being drunk, yeah, by the drinks, throwing poppers under your nose, and you know, it's just <laughs> like it's just, yeah, it's difficult to. You have to have a very, you have to be in a very strong place with your own sort of attitude to alcohol to say, yeah. No, um, I'm gonna turn up, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna get paid, and then I'm gonna go home. Because that's the thing at the end of the day, like, it's literally an art form, like, you don't go and perform a Broadway show after like seven shots of Sambuco and like fucking bottle of wine. You don't do that. But people think because you're a drag queen in a nightclub, you have to be drunk. And it's, it's not that. But then I think people don't have a hard time understanding if a drag queen is to say, oh, no, no, I don't want a drink. Then they get offended by it. Oh, yeah. like, we're all out here having a drink and having a good time. You're here as well. So I'm going to buy you a shot. Yeah, then like, you will drink. I'm, I'm being paid to be here. <laughs> yeah, literally, I'm here to entertain you. And if I'm drunk, I won't do it as well. So how about you leave me alone? Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think that's a big thing with drag shows. I think the boundaries between fans and the people in the audience and the actual performers, I think, can be blurred so easily. And it's always just to do with alcohol every time. Every time. Yeah. Alcohol is a big driver to turn people into arseholes. Arseholes? Really. Like, and yeah, hands up, we've probably yeah, yeah. all been drunk arseholes before. Oh, God. But... I've been an absolute arsehole. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. And <laughs> I'm an awful human being. <laughs> when no, sober and drunk. I'm, I'm, I'm lovely when I'm drunk, actually. I'm actually very happy. But, but I have been. You know, it, you know, if somebody turns on me or, you know, I'm, I've had a bad day or whatever, and there's been the occasional time where I have just been vile. Yeah. Um, and, and you wake up the are. next day like, that's not me. Yeah, and when you're in a room full of 100, 300, 200 drunk people, at least, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 of those people are going to be vile. Yeah. Because yeah, completely. some people are. Some people just have that day. Which you can kind of let them off for it, but then it's like, if we just didn't do that, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier. So yeah, what? Um, what do you think you would have benefited from as a young queer person if it wasn't a sort of space that was surrounded and sort of fueled by alcohol? What do you think maybe would have been good for you? I think in terms of like my own confidence, like I think if I could have just had a place to like interact with queer people, even if it was like a drag show with no alcohol or whatever, I just feel like it could have given me such a bigger drive to be confident in myself. Whereas like, because of the fact that when I was interacting with queer people that I knew on the internet, or queer people that I knew in general, I would be drunk. So they'd then associate the fact that like, oh, I can interact if I have a few wines. It's mm-hmm. 
got me in a place where I'd now be sober in the same situation with these people. And I'd be like, uh oh. <laughs> so one of my, um, when I went sober for a year, yeah. one of my biggest sort of struggles with coming to that decision, I was like, well, I have met and socialized with a lot of these friends have only ever met me when yeah. I'm drunk. Yeah. I've only ever spoken to so many of these people when I've had a drink. And what happens if I remove that? What happens if I stop drinking? Uh They they don't know sober Harry. They know drunk Harry. Um, And that was a really difficult sort of decision to make because I thought, I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose my social completely i was in i'm always in the mindset of like people prefer me when i'm drunk i'm funnier i'm more out there blah 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 blah, blah, blah. but a drunk version of you is only just a heightened version of what you are i mean after you know going through it and going sober for a year and being able to look back on it i'm like obviously it was all rubbish i mean there were you know some people who i naturally didn't see as often because where it was sort of a friendship of convenience as in we only sort of saw each other because we were conveniently yeah, both in the same places <laughs> getting drunk <laughs> but and so yeah there are some people who maybe i was closer to um a couple of years ago that i'm no longer closer to it doesn't mean you don't like you know, them less or it's not like that we have lost a friend it's just that that point of contact that we had is uh, gone and I suppose I also thought my entire social life was going out I thought it's I'm literally going to become a hermit but I suppose everybody this year has experienced it because everyone's been locked at home no one's been able to go out and socialize in clubs and so we've kind of had to learn to talk to each other sober yeah Um, and as like, much as we, you know, we can get get on get on Zoom and have a drunk conversation, but yeah, like, as you do, no, it's not dry, I feel like yeah. the like intensity of conversation between people and like maybe like I feel like people just are reaching out a lot more than they would beforehand. So like I feel like I'm oh speaking God, yeah. to people that like I never would have spoken to before, like sober. Whereas these people in the past, I'd only interact with these people if I saw them in a club for a quick, like, hey, hug. Whereas now we're just like, chatting back and forth and like planning to, you know, go out and have like a day out together, but not like a night out together. And I just feel like, yeah, doing sober activities with people. It's like, let's go on a walk and get a coffee. Well, like, that's the thing. And like, I want to keep it rolling. Are we? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, how old are we? What's going on Literally here? Like, what's happened to me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, though, after like a year and a half of not being able to socialise properly, going forward, like, obviously, yes, I'm so excited to go to a club. Oh, my God. The fucking yeah. hits off to Dua Lipa. I'm like, yeah. gonna whatever. I'm excited. But after a year and a half of not having any proper memories of my friends, I want to remember things. I want to, like, actually have good yeah days out nights out where we don't have to be like oh what happened last night like oh my god who did you get with who did you get with like, i don't want that i want to spend time with my friends and remember. i want to go you know go away to the lake district or you know get a little yeah, get a little yeah. house with my with my best duties and like we'll probably get drunk whilst we're there but you know <laughs> but it's not <laughs> but, revolving around games no right? but yeah exactly it's not like the main thing is drinking and then everything else is secondary um it's like you know the primary reason to be there is you know spend time with each other and go outside and go on walks and be wholesome um yeah. which is but like that's a good thing and it's all the things we should have been doing anyway i think but like we never yeah. did it's one of, the, one of the good things to come out of this um panchata panchata <laughs> 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 to think of other words that we give with poo no same i just don't even know not the pippa middleton i just don't even know anymore like the pizza but that is the thing, like it's forced us to interact with people in new ways. And I think it's mm-hmm. something I want to stick, but I think maybe we'll all 
go a bit wild for a bit, go out on a night out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic in that, you know, it's, you know, we're creatures of habit and it's learned behaviour now. We've been doing it for a year. Maybe Mm -hmm. it'll stick, but I do know how easy it is for people to slip into old ways, especially with um, a propellant such as alcohol which it's is alcohol it's alcohol you know but I, I, mean? I also <laughs> i also think though the thing with alcohol is after like a year and a half of like not seeing people properly like i feel like everyone's had a lot of time to sort of get to know themselves very well and now yeah. i've like come to terms of like you know my, my anxiety and like how i react and interact with people in certain situations i'm now scared that myself and other people will go back into these social situations and then hit the alcohol harder than ever to make up for the fact that we've not had any social interaction for a year and a half i feel like i've seen so many tweets and things it's like i am never saying no um, <laughs> like, all the, like all of these memes that are like you know me coming home at six o'clock in the morning on the 22nd of june and it's Second. just like an ambulance driving off like <laughs> let's not aspire to that no, this is the thing we don't want to like plan for that because if it happens and that's it's just tricky because like i've got myself in a situation now where i can interact with i feel like i've come into myself a lot over the last year in terms of yeah. like confidence and being happy in myself so i feel like i'm gonna go out into this and be the best version of myself ever but it's so easy Sad. to get carried away <laughs> oh it is it is we'll plan like uh, like it's happened to me before i've planned a day out and we've gone to um york yes. for example me and my friend josh i know he won't mind me telling me telling the story we went to york <laughs> For a wholesome day out, and you know, we mm-hmm. did the, the city wall, and we went to we did, we, love. we did go inside the York Minster because it was, um, I think they were charging us to go into a house of God. And I thought, not for me, I ain't doing uh, it. Sorry, <laughs> I ain't got the coin. Say, I was like, do you want me to go in or not? Like, anyway, <laughs> clearly not. I mean, I'm you know, the, the last thing they want is a bunch of queers popping in the right, <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we had like, a really wholesome day. Uh-huh. And then we were like, do you see what the gay bars are like? Oh, yeah. as you do, as you do. <laughs> we found one and they had these like vile cocktails that came in like a fish bag and it had like a little floating plastic oh, fish in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the novelty was there, but then when it comes, you realise you can't put it down because it's a bag of liquid. <laughs> like an absolute fucking prick because you no. stood there with a bag and it's got a plastic fish in it. I think I am 24 years of age. Um, <laughs> I can't put my drink down. <laughs> I can't put my bloody drink down. Um, they had another one. It was like eighty quid, and it comes in a fish tank. I don't know what all of the bloody oh uh, e world kind of what in the sea world is going on. But um, what in the, not what in the that sea. was eighty quid. Eighty quid for a cocktail. No. If I ever go on a night out and spend eighty pounds, I'm never going out again. <laughs> I don't care. No. no. Well, on one right. item at least, like oh yeah, on one over item. this the whole evening maybe, but. Yeah, but eight, yeah, no. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, you split it between. I think they were like you had to prove that there was like six or eight of you there who was drinking it. It was a bit. I mean, obviously, we didn't order it. That's not no, where I the story not. going. I was going to say, I was like, is that yeah. is that it? Are we done? <laughs> no, then we got some tinnies for the train home, and then when we got yeah. back in York, we went out. Yeah, you have one drink, and suddenly by twelve, I'm in another city, looking the floor. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, and that's the worst part. I mean, I think that's the most fun part of it, like when you're just like, whatever, we're out for lunch, we're out for tea, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 
we go here. And all of a sudden you're in this new world and you're like, oh, this is so much fun. And it is fun. And you have the best times, I think, when it's like... Yeah, you have good memories, but you just think, God, why did that escalate? Like I was, uh, when I was younger, uh, I keep saying when I was younger, I need to stop. When I was 18, um, I went to, um, I went out for dinner with my best friend and her parents. um, And we had uh, cocktails, we had four cocktails, we had wine um and then afterwards her dad just like gave us some cash and was like go and have a great night out and i was like all right then Um, i know and then we were like we were like proper scrimpers we got like the bus into town just so that we had more money to buy drinks because we were going to get a taxi and and then but like i think he gave us like 50 quid or something but 50 quid in gay in manchester the drinks are one pound 60 i actually uh yeah was really ill that night i threw up all over the cobbles. Can only imagine. <laughs> Can only imagine. Young and fray. Obviously, we're talking about the fact that obviously alcohol doesn't need to be the focus of our nights. It doesn't need to be the focus of the queer spaces. But tell me, tell me now, probably the most drunk you've ever been. Tell me the story of what happened start to finish of the night. The most drunk you've ever been. Because mine's awful. I used to work in a bar mm-hmm. in Manchester City Centre when I was in college because I uh, decided that when I finished college, I want to move to Berlin. So I worked um, night shifts at this bar (laughs) so that I could save money. Okay. Uh, So I'd like finish college at five o'clock on a Friday and then I'd get the bus to work. And then I'd work until four o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, grafter. I would then go out. Okay. So I'd be, I'd, I'd get up at half six, seven o'clock in the morning to go to college and then be at college all day at work until four o'clock in the morning. And then you go and out. As young and impressionable, like I said, um, you know, my managers at work giving me Jaeger bombs and I was having a few drinks on shift, getting, yeah. you know, keep, keeping us merry. Um, yeah. Keep us happy. And then I finished, I finished work and then um, the managers were like, should we go out? I was like, oh, like oh, I've never been to Void. Good. I've never been to Void before. Thank God. Um, and they were like, it's a nightclub that's open until 11 o'clock in the morning. So not okay. That is not an okay sentence. <laughs> um, not is it. Let's no. be honest. Um, so um, obviously I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and like the managers were paying. Like it wasn't. You have I was paying for it. It was like the, one of the managers knew um, the guy who worked there. So we all got in for free, skipped the queue. As you uh, do. Obviously. Um, I don't pay to get in anywhere, darling. And then I think one manager brought us around and I'd never had a Desperado either. And they bought me a Desperado. And I was yeah, like, they were like a beer with tequila in it. I was like, that definitely sounds lethal. Um, dangerous. <laughs> but cheeky. Yeah, so I had one of the hoes. And then somebody else bought me one. And then somebody else bought me one, and then somebody else bought me one, and then somebody so else bought so me one. <laughs> and I think I counted, tried to figure out, I think I had maybe like 10, 10 desperados. No. Um, after already drinking at work as well. Um, and then I think I necked off with the new boy. As um, we do. As we do. As we do. And then um, it was like, I think it closed, I think it closed at like 10. No, I think we left. We left at like eight, eight in the morning. Standard. Yeah. <laughs> eight in the morning. Um, early. What are you doing? Stay a bit longer. I know. <laughs> um, and then I had to get a 
bus home. And I lived with my You've parents. You mentioned getting a bus about 12 times in this podcast. <laughs> I know, well, when, I was, when I was 18, my only transport was in Manchester was bus. I hope you had a bus pass. I, I did. I had my, I had my uni rider for That's college. Like, <laughs> of course and, you did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> got most used in the in the in the dark hours, um, okay. and then I yeah I had to get the bus home. And my parents live near the airport, and if you know the geography of Manchester, it's like I do on the very edge of the city is the airport, and that's where yep. my parents live. Okay, um, so the bus is like half an hour, forty minutes long, um, <laughs> and it goes uh, through Moss Side, which yes. is quite a rough area. Oh, um, not heard of it? Have a look, Google it. Have a game. Um, Google's your friend. Google's your friend. Um, anyway, so I got on the bus. Don't know how. Um, and then I got to Moss Side, which is literally just outside the city centre. And I was sat there and I had a bag with me. I had like my, my bag, which had all my college stuff in it. God, you came from college and work. Yeah, I came from fucking college. Um, <laughs> and I had, so I had a bag, had my college stuff, and then I just had it on my lap. And then I just threw up into my lap, into my bag. Oh. Right, I need to get off this bus because obviously I can't sit here a couple of days. <laughs> so I press the stop button and it pulls over. I say thank you to the driver as I'm getting off. <laughs> I should do. Thank you so much. Thank you. And then at the bus stop, it's literally, I'm trying to make people aware if they're listening, if they recognise it. The bus stop literally right, right after the brewery. Um, and I bundled myself out and as like um, a like a little shrubbery little bush uh-huh. and I managed I just found myself <laughs> in this bush <laughs> and it was like half eight in the morning at this point uh, on a Saturday outside, birds are chirping yeah birds are chirping people walking past um, and I'm covered in my own sick uh-huh. bush um, and then I sort of I think I like, fell asleep or passed out or something but then but then I, I had like this thought and I was like Harry Harry it's up. Yeah, it's nine o'clock in the morning now. Come on. You're in a bush in Moss Side, covered in sick. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, so I ordered an Uber, Lord knows how. Um, and then the Uber came and I fully expected it to be like, fuck off. You're in. Literally, you're not coming in. Not my pub. This man, I wish I knew who he was because to this day, he is my, he saved my life. He got out of... <laughs> Got out, he pulled up at the bus stop, got out of his Uber, came and got me <gasps> from the bush, bundled me into the back of his Uber. Oh my God. I fell asleep and then he woke me up when I got home. As if you managed to put in the right address, you that fair play. Um, and then... And then I was like, I mean, God bless him. And he didn't even charge me for soiling the bloody taxi or anything. Okay. I, didn't get, I didn't throw up in the taxi, but I was still covered in Covered sick. in your own sick. <laughs> and then I went into my garden and threw up all over the garden. Oh. And then I went into, I went into the kitchen from the back. I went in the back door. Okay. And I just took, like, stripped off, like, just took all my clothes off. And then went upstairs and got in bed. And then um, my mum came in probably about an hour later when she got up. She came in, she was like, why have you got a scab on your chin? A huge uh, scab. I was like, sick. It's not sick. a scab for me. Sick. She was like, I'm sick. I was like, oh, sick. She was like, um, so then she went downstairs and then she went into the kitchen and found this pile of vomit covered clothes. And I said, yeah, that was my, that's my worst, my worst story. I'm so glad all my stories like that are in a time where I did not live with my mother. <laughs> I know. 
my story's the worst. It actually scares me. I'm like, I can't ever get into that state ever again. Go on. Tell all. Okay. So, as I've said a million times, in my, like, high school uni experiences, we're in second year, third, no, second year of uni. I live in a house that's ten people, right? We're, like, eight girls, two boys, and we're just living it up, going out every night. We used to go to the most horrifically straight raves when it was, like, drum and bass, like, do, 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 and I'd be like, I hate my life. We went to one of them. <laughs> And I got so fucking mortally obliteratedly drunk. It was awful. We had a friend called Sophie and she used to have this game called Sophie Drinks where she'd look at you and she'd go, Sophie Drinks, which means you have to finish your drink when she says it. But she'd make you finish it. <laughs> the time you finish it, she'd go, Sophie Drinks again. And she'd like pour no. a drink and you'd just go, 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 go. Sophie the bloody enabler. She literally is. She's a queen. We love her. But like, <laughs> God loves Sophie. God loves Sophie. <laughs> so we went to this club, this rave, and it was like, dun, 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 dun. Was like so obviously the whole time I'm there, I'm like drinking more, drinking more, drinking more. The next thing I remember, bear in mind, first thing I remember is like, well, we get to the club. We get to the club and the police stop us on the road and they say, where are you guys going? I go, We're on the way to this rave for Halloween. Don't worry it was february <laughs> and i was like halloween they were like mate i think halloween was a few few weeks ago a few weeks at least and i was like halloween don't worry about me so i walk into this event blah 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 have fun it's great for a few hours the next thing i remember it's 6 a.m i'm sat on a bus on the top level of a bus no one else is there it's light outside the birds are chirping no one's on this bus i wake up and go okay look out of my window i'm because i went to uni in liverpool right i look out of my window liverpool john lennon airport so the bus got me there bearing in mind i got on this bus at 2 a.m bus i walk downstairs and go to the bus driver i'm like so what's happening here how did i get how did i get here and he was like you've been on my bus for a while fell asleep and i was like can you take me home <laughs> still i was so drunk at this point i was like can you take can you, can you take me home? The like, most impressive feat is that you managed to get up and down those bloody stairs on a bus. I went all the way upstairs and found myself a seat. Exactly. I could have just, when I got on, but I didn't. And that's the important part. I said, can wow. you take me home? And he was like, no, not really. I'm stuck on a route. Oh, you yeah. get your house on this route. And I was like, no. That like, you have to get off, I'm afraid. He was like, you've not actually paid to get on here for a start. And I was like, right. He was like, can you pay me now? And I was like, I don't have a cup at this Oh, oh, most important part of the story. I had no shoes on. I had no Brilliant. shoes on. I'd lost my jacket. I'd lost my house keys. I'd lost my wallet. And my phone was dead. So he was like, can you uh, pay me? And I was like, have you got an iPhone charger? <laughs> he was like, no. I was like, I can't pay you them. So sorry, Apple pays. So I went inside to the airport because um, he kicked me off the bus. Um, <laughs> off. <laughs> and off I went and I never came home. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. I really do. I went inside the airport and because it was like, 6am flights weren't running yet so there was no one there the shop was open w8 smiths i went in my first instinct bear in mind i had no money no shoes no jacket and no phone i picked up party rings i picked up a party rings biscuit pack and went i'm gonna get these went to the front i went do you do cash back <laughs> they were like no but there's an atm over there and they were like have you got your card on you and i was like i've lost my wallet but i searched myself enough that i found my card and i was like here's my card like, how are you going to get home? I was like, I need to get a taxi, but obviously I can't pay on my phone for an Uber. So I'm going to have to get a cash in hand taxi. Like, go to the ATM, get some money out. It's fine. Hear your party rings, eat them. Great fun. Um, go to the ATM, but don't go to the right ATM. Go to the ATM that's not money out. It is, uh, what's the word? 
um, currency exchange. I was to say, is it foreign currency to us? Yep, it's foreign currency exchange in which I think I'm taking out £20 for a Uber home. I've actually pressed £100 in which I was given €120. Moral of the story is I tried to pay with euros to get back to my house at 7am when I had a 9am lecture. Didn't happen. No, so what happened was is I'll give you extra for your troubles to go and exchange it. You can have all the euros, have fun in Spain when you go. But not yet. So what I had to do was go to the Debrit Smiths that did accept the Euros, spend my Euros on a phone charger, charge my phone in Liverpool Airport, book an Uber, go home. How far away from the airport did you live? About an hour. <laughs> About 100 euros left to go and use when you're on holiday. So that's my story. I have plenty more to tell, but I'm, I, I, that shouldn't see the light of day, let alone the rest of them. So That one's pretty devastating. We have these incredibly ridiculous, hilarious stories to tell, as does everyone. I feel like everyone has these stories. Um, and everyone can relate. Everyone has woken up with sick in their hair, you know. If you haven't, I encourage you to try it. Try it at least <laughs> once. That's all right. we ask. And, you know, it is funny. Um, but, you know, you do need to um, be self-aware of when it's becoming a problem. Yes. Um, and when, you, when you're doing that a little too regularly. And also, uh, I think an important thing to note is um, looking out for the signs of that in your friends. Yes, I completely um, agree. I completely agree with that. Especially within sort of our communities, seeing when you can see someone who may be enjoying themselves a little bit too much, the right thing to do um, as, as a good friend would be to reach out and, you know, maybe say, look, I feel like in, in the least disrespectful way, I feel like maybe you are drinking a bit too much and maybe we can have a conversation about that. It's obviously a difficult conversation to broach with someone and say, I think, I think you've got an alcohol problem, but it doesn't need to be so, you know, brash. Yeah. Yeah, it can be, you know, it, you know, are you okay? Is you know, is something going on? How would you feel about us doing some, you know, activities together where we don't drink? Don't drink at all. Uh, don't drink at all. You know, I, I do think that that is important. I think that you become enablers for each other. It's like you become that person where it's like, I feel shit. I'm gonna go out and get absolutely obliterated. Wow. I know Harry will. Harry will come with me. Um, and it's it just takes one person to break that cycle and go no the mindset of being that person that is like oh harry or joe will never say no you're like oh i'm the fun friend but like you're not yeah you're not the fun friend no you're not the fun friend when you know you have to well, i was gonna say when you take a year off drinking and go sober but i was still a very fun friend and just you are, i'm sure you were like i literally did what i've done i did october sober and january sober and i think i had some of like the best times i've had yeah. like, you just at the end of the day as i've said already a drunk version of you is just a heightened version of yourself uh, complication anybody thinking about um taking a sort of leave of sobriety mm-hmm. um i would encourage it you know when i felt not even just the benefits of not being hungover i felt a lot less tired um, had a normal sleeping pattern um getting up in the morning at a normal time going to bed you know at 11 o'clock at night and not be you know when i was drinking four or five times a week i'd be I was I had insomnia. I had to go to the doctors and, you know, I was prescribed medication because I literally couldn't, couldn't sleep. I could yeah. like work a 13 hour shift, go out, drink, be mm-hmm. so tired, but we'll wake up at 6 a.m. Like, this is yeah, normal. Like, wake up at this time. Woo. And yeah. it's not normal. And you're still, you're still usually drunk at that time. And then it's when wow. the hangover kicks in at about 10 o'clock and you're like, I'm going back to 
bad. But like <laughs> when you're in a situation like I have been, you get to like 7 a.m. You're like, I'm fine. I'm conquering the day. I'm going to be amazing. And then your actual alarm goes off at nine to say, you need to go to work, bitch. Is when you're like, I'm not okay. It's like that girl, that uh, meme of Tiffany Pollard, where she's like, you are not seeing a tear out of me today. <laughs> a balance and finding a boundary between enjoying and abusing yeah. alcohol. I think it's, yeah, it's coming to, I think a lot of people feel like they know what their relationship with alcohol is, but I don't think many people actually do. And I think that taking a prolonged sort of period of time when you don't drink, you know, it takes your body six weeks to get used to anything, whether you're starting a new medication, a new skincare regime. It takes six weeks for your body to get used to this change. And I think, you know, do two or three months without having a drink. And then, you know, if you feel like having a drink afterwards, that's fine. But I, I can guarantee you will think a lot differently about it. And you, every time you drink, it's it's a decision that you make. Like, okay, I am going to have a drink. So Harry, obviously the name of my podcast is That's Gossip. So it's important for me to, you know, intertwine a little bit of gossip into each episode. So if you could tell me the most outrageous or just any, any piece of gossip that you've ever heard about yourself or a friend or a family member that just wasn't true. I have a really rubbish answer because um, I tend to listen to uh, rumours about myself. But I suppose when the most sort of rumours fly around is when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably that I was so overtly queer. I was so Scarily out. Queer. Campus little bitch out there. I'm sure a lot of people who follow me on Twitter will have seen the pictures that I share and I'm just like, I've got my hair sweeped over and straightened, my bloody paws up, Lady Gaga. I was just so camp and I think a rumour went round that I was, uh, that me and my best friend, my best girlfriend, were in a relationship. Mm. I love how this is a podcast, by the way, you can only hear us, but me and, and Joe are really like... <laughs> doing all these hand gestures like <laughs> we're doing visual aids like I literally can't see us, but I um, just imagine you know what? We've we've vocalized that now, so people can just imagine what we look like. We look cute, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. Oh That's gossip. And as you just said, I'm sure you'll be back at some point in the future. I'm so glad you've enjoyed yourself. I had a really good time. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before you leave? Anything you want to leave them with? Leave them thinking? Um, if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> leave a comment in the comment section below. If you like um, what you heard, please, when they reopen, go to Thompson's Bar. Please go to Thompson's Bar's Ka-ching. Um, follow me on Twitter. It's at Harry Jones XX. Um, I agree. Follow him on Twitter. His Twitter is elite content. You must follow him. Darling. Um, and um, yeah, follow and subscribe to his podcast because it's bloody brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. I will see you all on the next episode of That's Gossip.